Hey guys, we're not alone. We've all had our worst day ever. And this is the worst day ever from Alex. Hello, my name is Alex. And I wanted to share my worst day ever. My worst day ever was about two weeks after getting a new foster care placement. I'd gotten a four-year-old girl and a two-year-old boy. I took them to Walmart for the first time to get groceries. They started out with one kid sitting in the kid cart seat and one sitting in the big basket, but they kept hitting each other, so I took one out to have them walk. But then the other one would fuss and want to walk, so I would take him out, but then they would start hitting each other again, and so I would put one back in the cart. It was like a game of musical cart seats. So we finally get to the checkout. And the boy in the cart seat keeps pressing buttons on the credit card machine or trying to swipe for groceries off the belt. So I take him out of the cart, and while I'm checking out, he disappears. So I'm frantically looking around, and a Walmart cashier several lanes over calls, he's over here by the balloon. So I go grab him, take him back, put him in the cart. Meanwhile, there's people in line waiting behind me. And then as I'm trying to continue checking out, his sister runs off. So I leave my son and my groceries to go grab her. I'm chasing her down the store, mind you, because she's literally running away. So I run, pick her up, bring her back to the checkout, put her in the cart, and we finally made it out of there alive. It's one of those moments where you want to say, please don't judge me. I've only known these kids for two weeks. It was definitely my worst Walmart trip ever. We want to hear your worst day ever. So call... 818-533-8656 and give us your worst day ever. It's therapeutic. You're listening to the Mother FN Podcast with Patty Crouch and Heather Dragulescu. Mother Effers, I'm really excited about today's guest because she is one of my top five. She is one of my favorite people of all time. She is a person I go to when I need someone to be angry with me. Like she will come and you tell her the injustice and she will be angry with you and like cry with you and yell with you. It's the best. So today's guest is my friend, Nikki. Hi, Nikki. Hi. I can't believe I'm top five. You are. You're one of my top five. Okay, I'm going to take you out afterwards. Then I can be top five. (gasps) Yeah. You're my top five. We're my five people. Are you number six? I don't think I'm six. I think I'm maybe in the top 10. But I don't think you're, I'm that close. You're, you're top seven. Top you're top seven. Or oh. you're actually six. I actually referred to you as my best friend a couple of days ago. Oh. I go, my best friend did it. And I was like, oh, that's the first time I said that. I was like, I just labeled our relationship. Yay. <laughs> that's Thanks beautiful. for letting me know. You're welcome. Uh, is it mutual? It is mutual. Okay, cool. Gosh, <laughs> potential awkwardness. I know. That would have been really that bad. went well. Um, <laughs> this is professional strictly for me, Patty. Just strictly <laughs> professional. <laughs> we need to have another conversation later. Not recorded. I'm going to give a brief, brief, brief summary, the nuts and bolts of Nikki's life real fast. <laughs> um, she was a foster kid that aged out. She then decided to do foster care. She adopted her son, Zenny, who was with her for a while and then left and then came back. And then she adopted Caroline. Then she found out that her son has type 1 diabetes, which is her biological twins that she had before she decided to adopt. So that's like Nikki in a nutshell. She has nothing going on, you know, nothing at all. She has an easy life, nothing crazy whatsoever. (laughs) Would you say that, Nikki? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just coasting. (laughs) Just coasting. (laughs) I'm going to start off with the questions so that we can get this conversation rolling. 
Mm-hmm. When did, what age were you when you went into foster care? 10, 10. That's a, that's a tough age. What do you mind me asking? What was the cause of how you ended up in foster care? I'd go with a, just abuse and uh, yeah. Like phys- physical abuse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know who sort of maybe alerted CPS about the situation? Was it a teacher, a friend or a family member? You, you. Yeah. Um, it was a teacher. It was a teacher. And it was the kind of thing where, um, okay, so remove from dad, go to mom, and then that didn't work. And so then. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Were you relieved? Or like, what were your emotions when you realized you were going to leave your mom and your dad? Like, that they were not going to be it? Yeah. I think like shock. I was definitely relieved to get away from my dad. But then kind of shock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Did you feel anything was wrong at the time? Like, did you know? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, so then go with your story there. I don't know all of this, if you're willing to share. Like, what, um, did you go from house to house to house? Did you, like, have one mm-hmm. spot? Is there a certain person that, you like, you held on to or? Mm-mm. No, just kind of, I would say a pretty typical um, house bouncing kind of a situation. Yeah. No, I guess so. <laughs> Um, yeah, like there were some that were some homes that were kind of pretty weird and (laughs) (laughs) pretty weird. Like I, I remember I had one home that, um, it was a single mom and she was kind of like obsessed with my weight. Oh, I know. Yeah. Weird. Like I remember she (laughs) would weigh me a lot. Weird. I Just know. so you know, Nikki is a perfectly normal, lovely, beautiful woman. <laughs> She's not some like, you know, my six pound, hundred pound life person <laughs> sitting in the room. So I, I don't know why her weight would ever have come up. Well, yeah. Well, and definitely as a teenager, I was completely typical. I mean, was yeah. that when was you found gymnastics, right? Was yes. that the family that found you gymnastics? And was it like linked to ju- gymnastics? So she was. She was. She was. Um, she was a choreographer. Oh. She was linked to gymnastics. So you got into she, gymnastics. I did. Okay. Yeah. Competitively, um, right? Yeah. I was already in it. I was already in it when that, at that age, I okay. was already involved okay. in it. Kind of tried to stay involved. And I, I remember the gym that I had already been involved with kind of let me like help with the little kids classes oh, yeah. and let me... Um, Continue to train. Yeah. I think something kind of a, a little bit unusual about my story is that like I I was in a – like our family was a middle-class family mm-hmm. with a lot of abuse. It wasn't where I feel like almost all of the families that I encounter in L.A. County. Are more poverty. Yeah, yeah. Like poverty is a big part of their story. So did you have gymnastics before you got put into foster care then? Yeah. So yeah. you found gymnastics with your biological family. Yeah. I and then you were able to stay with it as you bounced from family, from foster family to foster family. Yeah. I tried. Yeah. Did you, did you go outside of a kind of a large radius from where you originally from? Or did you kind of stay in the same neighborhood radius as you were going through the foster care system? Well, it gets a little confusing depend because... So there was some bouncing around between trying to place me with my mom versus my dad and when their rights were terminated and they lived in different states. 
Gotcha. But oh, kind whoa. of the final, oh. yeah, the final kind of, the final longest period and like where I aged out mm-hmm. was in California, gotcha. North, Northern California. Were they, was he and in that's Southern? that's like most of my memory. Gotcha. Gotcha. So do you mind me asking which state he was in? Just... My father? Yeah. Texas. Wow. So that's a big difference. It's not Mm -hmm. like a next door state. It's it's definitely a Mm -hmm. got a bit of a distance here state. Yeah. So did you go through the foster care system in Texas or did they try to kind of push you off to California at first? Like um, almost immediately. Well, DCFS or they didn't actually call it that in Texas. It was like CPS. CPS. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So there was involvement in both states, but. I don't know if I was actually in like homes in Texas. No, I was. Well, I think that was. I think they kind of did the like family, friends. What do they call it? Kinship or yeah. safe homes? Not safe homes, but like. Um, I guess they would call it kinship, where it was like it was someone that I knew in Texas, and then they flew me. It was my mom moved around a lot. So they flew at the time she was in Florida. And then they flew me back, I think, to try visits with my dad. But then, and it during that time, she moved to California. Gotcha. Which is where I wow. eventually yeah. ended up. So at 10, you ended up in California in foster care. Or was this well, like all, all sporadic and you're yeah. aging and everything's happening? And by now, I'm probably like 12. Like that's that. insane yeah that's it, uh, that's tough do you insane do you feel like there's any this sounds like a really weird question do you have any issues with <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because of that well, like <laughs> yeah. um usually just moving around and not knowing where home is like all that kind of stuff like do you find yourself like not wanting to leave your own home because it's like you're attached to it or do you have like the opposite of like yeah whatever like nothing is really permanent well, I do notice about myself that I I am a homebody and we don't I don't travel very much. I don't have a big desire to travel. My husband doesn't really either. <laughs> I mean, you know, Nick. But yeah. I don't know if I can say that's due to that. Yeah. Just, because you, it's not like a it's not like I would freak out if you if traveled. I tra- yeah, or anything like that. I don't think, but we are kind of homebodies well, exactly. like I enjoy being home I enjoy how many how many foster cares did you end up living in homes do you know the count so in California um there was five foster homes and what was the shortest and longest period in each home do you kind of remember a time frame the last home I believe was my longest and that was um that was from like the middle of my junior year all the way through my like until I left for college oh wow okay okay and that was someone that I had gotten involved in a youth group and that was someone that my youth pastor at the time kind of talked into taking me in yeah getting oh gotcha getting certified and taking me in gotcha so was was there ever any talk of adoption in any of these homes or was it always just these are no 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 did you want to be adopted Um, you know, you kind of go through, um, a kind of very specific realization that like, there's no way you're getting adopted. Mm. And it's kind of like something you go, like you talk about with your foster brother and sisters and you kind of realize like, okay, no one's adopting us. (laughs) And, um, 
you know, so you kind of realize that. And I mean, I'm sure on some level I did want that. Sure. But I probably would have said I didn't. Yeah, I see. Just the. Do you know what I mean? The tougher exterior. Yeah. That yeah. happens a lot in older children. They. Yeah. I definitely was living my life without planning on that. You know, like it wasn't. Yeah. What kind of kid were you in foster care? Did you have a lot of troubles? Did you get in issues? You know, were you a good student, bad student? So I was, my foster brothers and sisters were like hellions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. And like, I mean, they were just doing drugs and like oh, wow. stealing things from their, and constantly I was, I was in a smaller County and there was like, there was a limited number of homes that would take teenage foster kids. So like we would keep running into each other again and again. And I mean, they were just crazy, really hard kids. And so I kind of, and this was a coping mechanism from my family of origin too, was, you know, if you keep, people happy, you'll survive and mm-hmm. they'll kind of yeah. leave you alone. So I, and I kind of internalized things rather than um, was rebellious. And so I was just kind of like, okay, I'll follow your rules. I'll do what you want. Um, and then I'll get left alone. And mm-hmm. so that's the kind of foster kid I was. I was, now that I'm a foster parent, I think I was probably like, I did everything they wanted. <laughs> I was like super quiet and, you know, like I really was probably pretty easy, especially in comparison to these other kids. So yeah, I was just kind of like, I'll follow your rules. You leave me alone. Deal, deal. Yeah. Um, it worked in your favor because then you ended up going to college. And yeah. And it, I really yeah. wanted to go to college. It felt like you were one of the ones that were like, I'm going to break the cycle. Like this isn't, I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to, well, yeah. And I didn't really understand how I didn't understand how to live. What was I going to do if I didn't go to college? Where was I going to live? What how was I yeah. going to I didn't understand what how I was going to survive unless I went to college and had a dorm to live in and like <laughs> <laughs> you know and um yeah, I think another privilege of just coming from a middle class family is like you go to college. That's what you do. Yeah. Even at 10 years old, that was had already been ingrained in me. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I really wanted to go to college. So I did do well in school. Not that I was, I cut a lot of school too, but <laughs> I, I got good grades. <laughs> yeah. So I was a little bit different in that I didn't get in trouble. I didn't, you know, I didn't go do drugs with everybody because I wanted to be left alone. Like I wanted people out of my face. Gotcha. I, yeah. It was like it was a coping mechanism. Like you won't yeah. bug me. You can I can be by myself. You'll take care of my basic mm-hmm. needs of shelter yeah. and food. And well, this is a good relationship, but there's not really a relationship. Or do you keep in touch with any of the foster families that you had been with? So the very last um, foster mom that I had, who was the one that was from our church, she um, she is a a missionary in Russia. Oh, oh well, wow! And she actually found me on Facebook. And so we just keep in Facebook touch, mm-hmm. but um, it was kind of funny because her, she was a single mom and her um, boyfriend at the time taught me to drive <laughs> and he, he actually found me on Facebook too, which kind of cracked me up. 
Facebook, bringing random people together with the smallest connections. Right, yeah. Are you in touch any with your birth family? Yeah. So I have a, like a much older sister um, and we're in contact. My father has passed away um, and I do have contact with my mom. How do you feel towards your birth parents? I mean, did you feel there's unresolved items with your dad when you passed away or did you get to sort of say what you wanted to say? Or did you need to say it? Yeah. So with my dad, he died kind of suddenly. And I think in the back of my mind, I always kind of wondered, like, I wonder if there will be like a reconciliation. But I really just think he was not, I I honestly think there was like severe personality disorders mm. going on. Um, and I just don't think he would have been capable of that. Gotcha. And I really don't think I needed, you know, I kind of came to this point where it's like, I think he probably was living at capacity, mm. you know, and it was just really bad capacity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really, really bad. Um, and what about with your mom? Yeah. So that's like, that's a lot more complicated um, and probably just always will be, I think, uh we're kind of acquaintances, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are probably things she'll never get and probably some things she gets now. Did you ever wonder when you were growing up why they didn't do the work to get you back? Yeah. 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 Because when I was in, when I was put in foster homes in California, she left with her boyfriend and moved away. Oh. So like, there was no like case plan, nothing. That's a communication. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, um, probably the biggest thing I've had to work through, you know. Mm-hmm. How has it changed you being a mom to your own kids now? Oh, that's sort of like super deep. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I, I tried to evoke the emotional tears. <laughs> That's my role. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it changed me or, but it just formed me, you know. So you're you're in college, yeah. When do you do you graduate? Mm-hmm. Obviously, when do you meet your husband? Um, I was 24, so like right after graduation. Right after graduation. Yeah. His name did, is Nick. Did you date much in between, from high school to meeting him? Yeah, kind of. I would say a typical amount. And at any point, did you let them know, hey, I was a former foster kid, this is my family situation, were you open about it, or is it something that once you went to college, you kind of became a little bit more we became guarded? Nikki, just Nikki, instead of Nikki the foster kid. I think it it came out, you know, like once, either with dating relationships or even just with friendships, kind of like once uh, it got to that, you know, that yeah. level. Did you find that when you were dating, some of them got turned off by it and that became sort of problematic for them dating you? Mm, I don't think, I don't remember that, no. You made a comment to me that has shaped me once and it was this idea of, well, it sucked about not having a family besides not having a family. That's what you said, actually. <laughs> but it's like I'm not having a family besides not having a family. That you had no place to like go home to for Thanksgiving and no place yeah. for like Christmas. And the that, first year you would that. like go 
to someone's house and then you just realize this is just a picture of what you didn't have and you felt like yeah. awkward. And she's like, this, this sucks. And then you just end up staying in the dorm by yourself. Yeah. Oh. yeah, because I mean, of course people were super sweet and would always invite me to go with them. But then there was something that sucked about that too. And it was nothing about, I mean, people were super kind and it yeah. wasn't like the experience of going home with them was, there was anything wrong with that. It was just like, it had to be a little sad. Yeah, it was just like you can't you can't remove the fact that you're an outlier. Yeah. You know, I I don't know. And so I I kind of got to the point where sometimes I just didn't want to do that. Yeah. It was like I would rather just hang out or eventually I got a job um at Ch- Children's Hospital, which is where I ended up working after I graduated cuz I was in nursing school. And it's like I just tried to work yeah. on holidays because it was almost like I felt more I like I volunteer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'll work. I'll work the holiday. And it was almost like I just felt more at home there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that did suck. And yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's not fun. <laughs> I would imagine it be. So how did you meet your husband? Um, I met him at church. Nice. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And did he have lengthy talks with you about sort of foster care and and did at that time it come up that you were interested in adopting or is this something that came up a lot later on? Yeah, I want to know when you decided, okay, I'm going to be a foster parent. Um, so that came up later. Um, we had our kids. We had we had twins. Um, Can I also just mention how disappointed I am that your kids do not have variations of the names of Nick or Nikki? Like, it's not Nikolai and Nicola and Nicolette or something. Like, like you should have just kept it all going. It would have been a lot more fun. You had a thing. At least the N. Yeah. 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 It was, you know, when we started dating, it was cute for like three weeks. And then we were like, oh, this is nauseating. Um, But you know what? We've recently met a couple at our kids' school, our older kids' school that are Nick and Nikki, and they named a child Nick. I love Ooh. it. And then their other kids also have end names. We were like, wow, they went for it. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, no, we didn't. We didn't go for it. Um, so, yeah, we had our kids, and they were about four, three, three or four when we decided to talk about it. And someone came to our church and talked about it. And Nick, Nick was like hook, line, sinker. We should go for this. We should do this. This is awesome. And he was like, this would be a great ministry. And I was like, Mm-mm. no, this isn't a ministry like this. <laughs> This would be like my heart. You know, this isn't a ministry. I'm surprised you weren't like, do you know how troubled kids in foster care are? <laughs> They're literally the worst. I, I know. live with them. <laughs> Believe me. Yeah. And so I was kind of, I was, I was like, no. And I think part of me was like, I don't think you know exactly how screwed up the system is and like social workers. Uh-uh. And then he had, we had Marissa, who was one of the social workers from the agency we used. Mm-hmm. Did you also use the same agency? No, I used oh, a different okay. agency. Yeah. Anyway. But I know of yours. Yeah. Yeah. She came out and, you know, she was great. And so Nick was, of course, like even more on board. And I just was really, it took me a long time to. Were you not on board because you knew how crappy the system was? Or were you hesitant 
Like what were your what were your hesitancies? I think I I knew that and then I think I um I knew I I just was aware of the cost to Grace and Daniel. Mm. And um you know, I just needed to work through this idea of like you know, is it okay to ask that of them and obviously I came out deciding it it would be okay. And I, you know, I still wonder if that was the right answer because it did cost them a lot yeah. um, in the end. <laughs> but yeah, and it just took me a really, it took me like, like they were certified in like three months <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and we took like a year and it was yeah. completely because I took a year yeah. to do my stuff that I could have gotten done in three months. Well, you so. well, and you knew the ins and outs in the sense of how crappy it could be. I was like naive, going love can conquer all, <laughs> you know. So, I definitely. And I was honestly, I was more naive than I. I'm less naive having gone through it a second time. Do you know what I mean? You're yeah. still naive. It's it's, yeah, it's crazy how. What did you think of the training though? When they're like, so this is what's going on with the foster kid and their brain development and all were you going like hey wait a minute at any point you're talking about me here and were you learning stuff about yourself yeah that is me <laughs> yeah like in empower kid to connect they talk about how you were you know your parents parented affects how you're going to a parent was that kind of eye-opening experiences going through this foster care training yeah yeah i felt like um i felt like they don't and I don't know if you can. I don't. I don't feel like they, and um, they are able to communicate how scary it is mm. to be a foster child and going into a new home. And of course, I feel like in LA County, there's so many really young kids. Yeah. Um. And so, like, going through that without the ability to process it verbally, or yeah. mm -hmm. you know, like, that must just completely be terrifying screw you up yeah like yeah. to not even be able to like put a thought process to it yeah um and then yeah like um i think like distinguishing like who you are on paper between you know from like the fact that you're still a child mm -hmm. you know and you know it, it kind of bothers me the way they're like what will you accept and what will you not accept and it's just kind of like I don't know, man. It's not a menu. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, but, but I understand. I, I also understand that you can, can do what you can do and yeah. you have to be aware of that. But at the same time, you know, it's very, it's very conflicting. So what did you yeah. put on your profile? We put on our profile just younger than Grace and Daniel because I felt like I wanted them to be able to communicate to me what, they were feeling about anything that might be happening in like in our house. Okay. I don't think we really, we had a long discussion about race and if we felt like we could provide a good environment for a child that was a, another race. Like if we could do a good job of meeting those needs. And um, I think we ended up deciding that we could. <laughs> now, I've learned a lot more since then, <laughs> and I, 
obviously like we're working really hard with Zenith on that. I think we were probably a little naive to that. Yeah. Um, so what are the ethnicities of your, your kids? So Caroline is white, although her birth certificate says that she's black. <laughs> she is like the whitest, like you got to put sunscreen on her on a cloudy day kind of white. Oh my gosh. Like she is white, Super blonde. White. Yeah. Blue eyes. She's blue eyed, right? Does she have any Hazel. like African-American ethnicity at all? Like No. Any, this I is mean, a white child. You would really not think so. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like she's, she looks as white as me. Wow. She's whiter than Nikki. <laughs> she's white. And I look really white, if you're wondering. Yeah. Um. No. <laughs> it's like a conversation to have on a podcast yeah. where we have no video. Um, yeah. And then Zenny is, um, he's black and Hispanic. Gotcha. Yeah. And so. do you have concerns for him growing up in a household where he sort of looks only the, you know, the only Yeah. One? Yeah. 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 Definitely. I mean, like we're trying to make sure he has tons of like racial mirrors and mm-hmm. just learning about all of that stuff. And I, I, you know, we didn't, we were definitely naive. I think I, you, I think yeah. you are naturally naive until you're in it. I think there's yeah. always some level of nativity in, in anything, whether it's just mm-hmm. comedy or it's, you know, making a sandwich or something like, you know, until you do it, you don't really know. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of the point of the co- podcast is to, make people aware not so they won't adopt we want more people to adopt yeah but we want people to go in it with their eyes a lot more open to what some of the realities are to be more emotionally prepared i think that's where we falter as foster parents is that we aren't prepared and we get really stressed and really scared and really afraid of what's going to happen because we're not able to handle the situation and then i feel like we feel alone in it yeah because Everyone around you is not doing it. Yeah. Which is so important why I had Nikki and Jenny and these group of people to like walk with me through it because it was like, I felt way less alone. I feel more alone now (laughs) that we've adopted and I have an FASD kid than I did during the fostering system because I had you and I had Jenny and I could cry about social workers and be mad about the dementors in the the family court and all that crap. So let's, let's walk back because you made an interesting comment about it affecting your two biological kids more than you expected. Can you sort of elaborate on on that comment? Our first child was was Zenny, who is now with us. It was just a really poorly done placement, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like he had been with us and um, was removed and it was just badly done. And it was just kind of, it was very sudden. And I think at that point, I I kind of thought, I think, that his mom was going to be able to parent, but it was, like, way too soon. Mm. She mm. wasn't stable yet. He was with you for, like, yeah. six months, though, at least, right? How long oh, was yeah, he like, with you? I think he was, it was a year. Like eight months. Yeah, yeah. And was mom meeting all the plan goals? She, I'm not even sure what the goals were, but she was not, she was not stabilized um, yet and was still very much not she has some mental health issues so it's kind of one of those if she was on medication she was doing well but if she wasn't she was not and it was like a fight for her mentally to stay on the medication because she felt like she was her yeah she wasn't which is interesting to dive into itself in that sense of like what we yeah yeah that's a whole other topic um and so they just they did this thing where it was like you have an hour 
will be there to pick him up, pack oh. all his stuff. And like, you know, my kids were at a birthday party and I had to run and get them. And um, it was just super like, traumatic for them. Like yeah. they were incredibly attached. We all were. And it just really shook them. Not to give them, say, at the end of the week, you know, we're prepare yeah. them to say, this is going to be tough. We're going to have our goodbyes. Well, not even the you know, bio. Yeah. I mean, I understand that DCFS is not going to care about the bio kids in a certain sense because they're not their responsibility. But even for Zen, yeah. like he needs more than an hour of just, just being placed. Because the trauma of that, of just being ripped out of a, a home that you've been in mm-hmm. with people you care about, it has to be awful for him. And is this the time that you had reinforcements come? Because I thought that was a brilliant idea. Or was that for Re- Levi? Well, you had someone, you made a comment once to me too about how you had people come to be emotionally there for one for Gracie and one for. We did have people that evening come, yeah. Because I was a mess. Yeah. Because I knew that it wasn't, I knew it wasn't going to be good. You know, like it wasn't a happy thing. It wasn't like a happy home sending thing. Yeah, this you wasn't. Know what I mean, yeah, like hooray. it wasn't. This was fear and worry and concern. Right. Yeah. So I was a mess. And yeah, it just, it went, like Gracie, he let, like, we found this sock in the laundry like two days later. And she oh, wore no. this sock on her hand. She would not take it off. <laughs> oh. She wore it to school. Poor Pride baby. count one. Oh my gosh. Oh. I know. Like, I called a psychologist. I was like, I don't know what to do. My kid won't take the sock off. And he was like, oh no, it's totally normal. She's processing her grief with the sock because she can't process it. Anyway, I was like, really? She must have been five at this time because she was in school. Yeah, it was just a lot. And then, and Daniel was, you know, Dan- Daniel's always been a little bit more like savvy, but he was just like, why would the judge make that decision? Mm-hmm. Like it just wasn't, you know, and of course nobody has an answer. No. It just caught, you know, there was a lot of grief that they had to go through at a pretty young age. And, you know, there's pros and cons to that. I think they learned a lot of empathy and. hmm that kind of thing. But, you know, it, it just, it cost them something. And How long did you wait until get another placement? It wasn't that long because there was a, so I was a, an NICU nurse. And I think mm-hmm. because of that, Marissa would, when there was a child who had some needs, mm-hmm. she would often call me. So there was this little baby who had six fingers. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I, I'm all for like. Like non-harmful uh, mutations in people, like an extra <laughs> really? finger, go for it. Like, yeah, that's cool. Like, yeah, go. You know, little tail sticking out of your backside. <laughs> that's just gonna give you better balance. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> that would, that would, yeah. But they now they tied off the fingers though. Oh, and they were like, it'll just fall off. And I was kind of like, gross. What? Did you put that in like a little baby reminder book for him? Like, here's your fingers. <laughs> Umbilical cord, finger, first haircut. I was just not, I wasn't really down with that. You anyway. think science would have gotten better than let's just yeah. tie it off and let it die by itself. Yeah. That was Levi. I would have kept the sick finger. I would have been like, this is rad. Then right after that, Caroline, who was. But Levi was there, went to a grandma. He only had him for like, Two months, three months or something. Two yeah. or three months. Like mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. barely anything. Like yeah. I barely adjusted to you having him and you were like gone. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. How yeah. did your kids handle him leaving? It was really hard on Gracie, which I feel really bad about. 
I don't remember much of a reaction from Daniel. And then they called about Caroline because she was a preemie, tiny little thing. Mm -hmm. And then they just never found anyone Mm -hmm. for her or like related to her. And then the day we were signing papers for her, they called and they were like, can you take Zen back? We were like, oh, yeah. It's just, you know, it's a lot for them to go through. And I think you never know if you made the right, you know, you just never know. You never know. How do they feel knowing Zen was going to come back? They, oh my gosh, they were ecstatic. Like he, I just remember he was home and that he was in the backyard and they just came, Nick had picked him up from school. They came running in the backyard and we used to always say he had, because he has these giant brown eyes Mm -hmm. and we used to always call him his big chocolate eyes. Yeah. And they came running, and then they were like, Mom, he still has his big chocolate eyes. (laughs) It was so, you know, and his crib was still there. And, yeah, they were so excited. And it was so funny because when he came back, I was like, I was worried I would overwhelm him. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't sure he'd remember. And so I was trying to, like, play it cool a little bit. But, of course, the kids weren't. They were just like, Sammy! (laughs) You know, like, all over him. And he was, like, so happy. And I was like, oh, I should have done that. (laughs) <laughs> but that had been a year it had been a year did he Which, recognize you though after a year did was there i couldn't tell with me but he he seemed to recognize the kids gotcha and he point he like pointed at his crib oh like when he gotcha. saw his crib he like pointed at it i i mean you wouldn't think so he came back he was two yeah so i don't know t- a year yeah yeah like maybe things felt familiar but mm-hmm. i don't know if he really like Got it. When Mario came back to our house for the first time, and it had been a year and a half since he had been at the house. Did he, he seem he, to? He had that thing of like, what's going on? And then uh, his forever mama was like, he used to live here. And oh, he yeah. was like, oh. like So oh, there yeah? was this like, yeah. this is familiar, but not super familiar. Yeah. So what? So I can imagine maybe something like that happening yeah. where it's like, this all familiar and maybe yeah. hopefully safe. Like maybe that's mm-hmm. a feeling of safe. Hopefully, yeah. How long did it take him to like assimilate back or was he just like? Not long, not long. And, you know, I think at that point there's four kids. So, yeah. you know, it's just such a, you just kind of fall right in, you know. And his pictures were still on the wall and stuff. Like so we'd show him, there's any when he was a baby, you know. So, I don't know. How old are all the kids now then? So now they're um, 14-year-old twins. Oh, yeah. I know. Like Daniel's like a man. Like he's weird because I met him and he was like five years old. Gracie's um, still Gracie, I feel like. I don't know why. She just says Gracie. Yeah, so they're they're freshmen in mm-hmm. high school. And then Zenny just turned eight and Caroline's six. She's almost seven. Was there any long-term sort of developmental issues with Caroline being that she was a preemie or did she sort of catch up to where she needed to be? She... um. She caught up really fast. Recently, she was diagnosed with anxiety. Mm. Um, and they think that's probably related to um, substance exposure. Mm-hmm. Like milestone-wise, she caught up really fast. That's great. I was surprised, yeah. And then what about with Zen? Was- no, he's um, he's good. He's, yeah. He's a sweetie. He's Aww. a love bug. Yeah. There's moments, I'm going to admit something here in a confession, he'll probably cry. There's moments when I'm like, out of all the foster kids I know, like Zen should be the one that's messed up and why is my kids the one that are messed up? Because Zen is one of those 10% kids that had like is resilient. Like he's doesn't seem to that it's affected him in the sense. Mm-hmm. Like he's just like a resilient little kid that's just Zenny. 
And then I have my kids who can't stay in a hotel and then take like five hour meltdowns. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so confession. It's I get jealous that, of Zenny sometimes. Or we have to admit Nikki's a better parent than us. <laughs> that probably is true too. I got to admit. That's uh, probably I, also another confession. Great. Now I'm crying <laughs> count three. I do always have this wonder of if you have biological kids first, does that actually help foster kids in some way? adapting to the house because at least there's another person that's your age and there's something about kids to kids that's a little bit easier to relate to than a kid to an adult hmm. when you went to a foster home if there were bio kids in the house does that ever happen yeah there were bio kids and were they older or younger older was that did you find those homes easier to be in or harder to be in gosh um well, one of them, the brother would like get into bed with me. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So hard, hard to be. <laughs> so that's probably not what you're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> not what you're looking for. <laughs> I'm just trying to think. One, I did have, a mom, the mom did have a younger child, but I was already like very much in my like stay away from me mode. I gotcha. Don't know. Yeah. But I think when they're younger, like you're, you know, like these kids are younger. You know what I honestly think with any though? He did have a ton of trauma. He did. But he had a good three months. I think a pretty pretty healthy attachment and bonding with his mom. Mm. That right away, like the first three months? Before she got sick. Mm. Before she got sick that time. So her gotcha. his this is gonna get scientific and me totally BSing this because you know I'm not schooled in this at all. So basically those first three months when they're really assessing if this world is safe and they're creating those neural pathways of like survival or or you can trust the world. He was able to trust the world because he had to bond with his mom those first three yeah. months. Because the girls didn't have that. Most of these kids didn't. Caroline didn't. Like when he came to me, he was he would he was trying to nurse. Oh, poor thing. Yeah, like he had been nursing. So he really got a good strong foundation. And he attached to me very in a very healthy way. Like I really think he got he got a good start. And then it went really bad, really fast for a long time. It did. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. like he his his report is heartbreaking. And his dad is, you know, that was heartbreaking. But I really think that mattered. Yeah. No, I that makes a lot of sense. And then he had a break from it all while being with you he guys for break, eight yeah. months. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then a year of crazy again. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could also be resilient, but I, I wonder about that. That's interesting. That's so intriguing. Yeah. Do know. you do you have any relationship with the bio parents now after this? Yeah, with Zenny. With Zenny. Yeah. There. Well, I have a relationship with the mom and the uncle. Mm. So his uncle is awesome. That's great. So yes. awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. And his mom's awesome too. She's doing so good right now she's doing so good she's rocking it she actually just moved to so his uncle is a professional rugby player whoa his mom is doing great she's yeah she's awesome we just facetime with them for his birthday yeah she's doing really really good and his uncle is just always a constant support uh you see uncle a couple times a, a year right yeah, now we see them a little less now because, um, and she just moved up to Seattle with him. Oh, that's good. Oh, nice. Yeah. You know, whenever he comes down, of course he brings her and, and we get to see them for um, like Christmas and holidays and stuff. And um, and he's become an uncle to like all the kids. They all consider him kind of 
Yeah, it's so it's so sweet. And I actually felt kind of bad because she she we called her for Zen's birthday and Zen talk you know, Zen talks about her pretty routinely, but when he gets on the phone, he's just super distracted and not That's just kids, I think. Yeah. I think that's just kids. Kids are terrible on the phone. Yeah, he's terrible yeah. on the phone. Yeah. But I don't want her to think that she, he doesn't like think about her because he really he does mention her. Yeah. You know, routinely. And so, but Caroline is so sweet. She's like, Mama Christina, I wish you were here. Like, she's just (laughs) but it's like, wrong kid. (laughs) I need Zenny to say that. I know. I'm like, well, what will this kid do? I don't know. I I feel like I want to text her and be like, he he talks about, you know, like, I just don't want her to think that he doesn't like think of her. I think, you know, kids are just, when my kids were that age on the phone, even though, they would have a ton of things they would want to say. Yeah. If I had a call and talk to them, if I was traveling for business, they'd be like, oh, it's good. <laughs> I, I just, uh, there's something on. I just, you know, like, talk to me. And they're like, yeah. oh. <laughs> and then it just gets worse when they get older. Oh my goodness. You know, like my, my nephews only talk to me through Snapchat and this yeah. goes pictures. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, at least we're communicating. I know yeah. you're studying. <laughs> what is that? Yeah. Yeah. I picked up, my son picked up the phone the other day and went, bruh. And I'm like, you don't call your mom, bruh. I know my name comes up. This is not how you address it. I'm going to hang up and you're going to I'm gonna call again and you're going to address me appropriately. You're going to say, hello, mother. And then he's like, hello, mother. Is that good for you? I'm like, yeah, it is. That's how you talk. <laughs> That's how you talk to your mom when she calls you on the phone. You don't call her bruh. Bruh. Can I call you bruh? No. <laughs> Sometimes Zen tries to call me Nikki. Oh. It's so funny. All three, all three of the other kids are like, she's mommy. <laughs> The girls do with a little like mischievous smile, like Patty. <laughs> and I'm like, no. Yeah, I just ignore them. If they oh no, call I by my first name, I don't even address them. Yeah, I'm like, there are three people in this world that call me Mama, and y'all three are it. So I'm gonna hold on to it for as long as I can. Okay, worked hard to become this, to get this title. <laughs> you will use it, and you will use it with respect. <laughs> uh, do you? Did you keep their their bio names? Um, well, Caroline wasn't named. Oh, that's right. Cause she, she this, um, this makes me so irritated. Go ahead. I'm already uh, irritated. Go ahead. The story. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is a, a County story. So she didn't have a name. So when we took her home, we named her because she didn't have a name. Yeah. <laughs> At court, like two months later, the judge was upset that we had given her name. What? Yeah. So like I'm we were sorry. just going to call her baby the sh- girl. Yeah. So are, are you um, doing the feedings in the middle of the the, the night? So are he asks the bailiff what his favorite name was. Oh my gosh. And he says Sandra. <laughs> so he puts on her birth certificate Sandra. Oh my god. It's like you have people who are loving this child. Like, what? Yeah. Like what was the issue? I don't. That's so like strange. we didn't have the right. Because we weren't. What a weird judge. That's a very strange, like, power-trippy judge. I'm going to be totally honest. And for him to be bothered by that in your long, lengthy day of dealing with these cases. I mean, I would have been even... Ziegler, Judge Ziegler. (laughs) Yeah, and then we had to adopt with him. Wow. Was he even, like, thrilled that you were adopted? He's like, well, I guess. I guess... You're already doomed and And he, in the middle of our adoption, like, day, like, we're sitting there with all our... Yeah. He takes a phone call. Oh my God. Like we're all sitting there, you know, signing the papers like, oh yeah, teddy bear, right? He takes a phone call. Wow. Oh, no. That's awful. Judge Ziegler. 
that's the i mean uh i mine was so picture perfect on adoption day like the judge got a little tear she's like i love these moments and come up here mine were like let's take a photo was he your judge for the second one no okay you least now the second one was zenny and by (laughs) okay there's just a whole story with zenny because the father and then okay by the time we adopted him, I was the like, "The father is a character." Like, uh, it's I was just like, one of "Where those do we find?" Where you're like, I'm "That done. could be a <laughs> sketch comedy." I did. I even invite anyone? I was just like, "I was." Were you there? No, I was Facetimed because I was in. Thank. Oh, I you was were there for thank- Ziegler. I was there for Caroline. I was not. He there. took a phone yeah. call. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I was there for Caroline. I was not there for Zen, or was it opposite? I wasn't, I FaceTime with someone FaceTiming in one place and one of them. I feel like you weren't there for Zen. I, I think I was there for Caroline yeah. and not there for Zen. Yeah, I was just so over Physically, I, I was on even. FaceTime, so it counts. <laughs> I wasn't even, ha- I mean, because, and by that time he had been with us for so long that I was like, yeah, How long? From what? first placement to adoption signing day, how long it was, was it? Almost four. Wow. Yeah, so I was just. So there's a lot of disruption attempts with the birth family. Like the dad acted like he was going to get his act together and then didn't or just didn't make life he didn't easy. Really act. He just, it, yeah, it just kind of went on and it was the courts. It uh, wasn't gotcha. really the dad, I guess. Dad was always around, but also never could do it. It was more like going through the motions with dad, I feel like. And then he just like, he would. <laughs> say what you want. He would like, he just would scare any. He would dress up in scary costumes. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, he was, he seriously was like a sketch Just comedy character that you're kind of like, are oh. you for real going? Jeez. Okay. Yeah, it was interesting. It just lasted a really long time and it felt like, it just didn't feel like anyone, like in court hearings, they would refer to Zen as a girl. It was just like, is any of this about the kid? <laughs> oh no. my goodness. Like, I did not know that. about the kid? Yeah. It's like so by the end I was just like to sign the papers and be over. I was like, I don't want to hear your speech about how this is a fun day for you. Just where do I sign? Well, where do you two, sign? Mine two were totally different. Like the first one with Judge Richardson, who had only been on our case for like four months, was nice and I haven't seen so many people in this courtroom, like super sweet, took his time. It was a moment. And then the other one who was with our case the whole time with Jackson was like, adoption parents are done. And I was like, Wait, I barely had time to cry. <laughs> where are you in terms of are you done with adoption would you foster adopt again no no i'm just we're just done um with our adding to our family, family. like yeah our family's complete we're um you know i have high schoolers oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so um we're, i we're and good. i honestly i just i feel like the county just needs to be burned down and totally screwed <laughs> over you know like yeah. i just i don't know i don't have any answers but yeah. it just to me it feels like they're overworked it's overdone and people just have stopped caring which is the saddest part and that's what i worry is that after you see so many of these cases yeah. you just become jaded and heartbroken i mean yeah. there's there's people that were part of um the foster care agency i went through the ffa who are gone now who were basically just like it got I did it for 10 years and I saw enough cases. Okay. So this is a question we ask everyone. Um, If there's one thing that you wish you would have known before you started everything and you quite knew a lot, what would it be? Hmm. Like something you would pass on to future foster parents or in the process of getting certified before they had that first child. 
if you're thinking that like love is gonna fix yeah (laughs) fix like love isn't what was lacking in the original Mm. situation these children their parents did love them you know there were other confounding issues that has made it impossible for them to live with them and your love isn't going to fix it Mm. love is needed but it's not enough like there's going to be other things you need yeah and and you may not be able to fix it like you may be able to love them through it and love them with what they come to you with but you're not you might not be able to fix it I like it. That's good. What do you wish people would know about kids in foster care, though, since you're coming from that perspective, too? I guess I would like people to know that they're wounded, but they're not stupid. So, like, when you're lying to them, they know you're lying to them. <laughs> <laughs> and then now on the mother level, you both have biological kids and you have foster kids. And one of the things I'm always scared of, which is so stupid to say, but I'm crying again. It's because Nikki's here. She sees me ugly crying all the time. (laughs) So I feel so safe. I have my top six. (laughs) Um, I always feel like something like, do I really love them? Like, is this what it's supposed to feel like? I don't have biological kids to like compare it against or anything. Like, is it different? Like, is, did you have that scare once fostering that you're, it was going to be different or? Yeah, it's not different. It's not different. And actually, I've been thinking this a lot lately. I actually think in ways, for me, my relationship with my adopted kids um, is healthier because, okay, so with my biological kids, I I can tend to get a little bit enmeshed where um, like I'll feel like their behavior is an extension of me. Oh. You know, like if my kids do something or say something, it, it I almost feel like it's like it, it's representing me somehow. Yeah. And so my reaction to their choices can sometimes be over like, you know, like a overreaction or um, you know, informed by the fact that I feel like it's it's this extension of me. Yeah. When really they're 14-year-old kids and they're making their own choices and, you know, sometimes they can, do you know what I mean? They're yeah. independent yeah. and they can have their own opinions and... They're just wrong opinions, but... <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they, they're old enough to start making their own choices and forming their own... Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. But even yeah. when they were little, I would do that. Like I would, I would sort of overreact because I felt like it represented me. Um, but with Zen and Caroline, I feel like it's actually a little bit healthier because I don't have that same enmeshment. Be- it's like when they do something, I'm kind of like, oh, that was such a goofy thing to do. Or like, <laughs> oh, you're such a dork. But I don't have that overreaction where I feel like, Oh, that's me. Yeah. Do you think in a weird way, like you relate better to your foster kids because you you were a foster kid? And yeah, I do think there's mm-hmm. that and that I relate to a little bit to their trauma 
Mm -hmm. and they relate to each other really well. That's great. Um, But I was thinking that that I think I relate to when they do something, you know, quote unquote wrong or whatever, that I have a healthier reaction to it because it's not it's not ever about me. Yeah. Whereas with my older kids, it was a lot. It was a lot about me sometimes. Mm. I, I also think you're forgetting that with the older kids, you tend to, I, I don't, I mean, I got all three of mine at once, but being the youngest in my family, I think that the older kids do get a lot of the brunt Yeah, because they're the first ones there. So they get the bad parenting because yeah. you don't know how to parent and you're like, yeah. Ooh, that wasn't probably what I should do. Yeah. And then you had to take classes to be a foster parent. So, I mean, yeah. then yeah. And yeah. Caroline actually got like the best parent possible. You're like, whoops. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But no, it's it's not different. It's not, there's no, you know, like it's not different. I don't worry any differently or less. Mm-hmm. How is Zen dealing being sort of the only one of his ethnicity in the house right now at eight? Well, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't verbalize it, but we are starting to get to the point where other people are starting to point it out. Uh, so um, we're starting to bring it up a little more. Gotcha. And Caroline will bring it. <laughs> <laughs> Caroline. Yeah. That firecracker. Caroline is, Caroline is more work than the other three yeah. combined. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he, you know, other people will say things and Nick's like, I don't know. My husband's just kind of funny and very like straightforward. What you know, does like Nick say? Some kid at the pool was like, well, he can't be your son. And what did Nick say? Nick's like, what? You know, what are you talking about? Where is he going to be? <laughs> that's just kind of how my husband is and you know so i think we'll have to start bringing it up and you know talking about it and we have really good friends that are frequently at our house um chanel yep. who um they're black as well you know and that's not enough obviously but um i have her bring stuff up to him all the time yeah, we just we need to really buckle down and start working on it. Yeah, it's a well, t- it's a tough subject, a tough thing yeah. to sort of deal with. And I know I'm sure you. How do you deal with that on a daily basis and seeking out my black friends? Yeah, constantly, um, and talking about it all the time when it comes up. But they've taken on the they've taken on the idea that I guess because they have three of them in there, it's yeah, not it's as big of like it's a different kind of. That's what I would Perception. wonder what the dynamic would be for him. Because with them, older. I mean, they also have two. I mean, two of them look exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so they yeah, have. Exactly. They don't. They don't feel. I think the left out part because yeah. the three of them have the same tummy, mommy, and they look all black, you know. And so it's just me and Chris that are the man and out. Right. Yeah. And right, then they yeah. out. They outnumber us. There's three of them and two of us, so we're yeah. the minority in our house. Yeah. So I think there's a different dynamics, but we yeah. definitely talk about it. And when things come up, I'm like, okay. How do I handle this? How do I handle that? Mm-hmm. But being aware, I think, is the best thing I yeah. can be because there's not ever, I'm not ever going to be able to handle it 100% well because I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll never yeah. know. So I can only do the best that I can do, which is seeking my community and village to help me with yeah. the parts that I can't do. And I don't, I don't want this to come off as a criticism because I think you are fully open to whatever ethnicity you got. But if you are sort of uh, a very white person... <laughs> Consider if you're going to be open to ethnic adoption, adopting a sibling set for that reason. So we were told that, like, look, you're probably going to get kids that are not going to look like you, especially since you're such an odd mix as a couple. Mm -hmm. So consider a sibling set because then at least 
they have somebody that they know is like them in the house. Yes, I think that's wise. And reflecting their around them, vulnerability around them as well. But let me tell you, my kids are not Hispanic at all. They grew up in a Hispanic foster home before us. They're like, mayonesta. It's called mayonesta, ma mayonesta. I'm like, it's mayonnaise. It was made by white people. (laughs) It's not mayonesa. (laughs) Chill out. So they're the least Hispanic. They're so, I mean, their family's been here for generations. They're washed out, spanglishly at best, Hispanics. (laughs) They don't know anything about their culture, nothing. They know more from me, like forcing it upon them. But they're, you know, they're just, it's funny that way. Like, I remember they said, oh, let's go get tacos. I know the best place to get tacos, mom, is Jack in the Box. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and Zen's having uncle around and birth mom around too so maybe some of these things aren't going to be as big an issue because they're seeing he still has a connection to his biological that's that's true that's going to be very important how about caroline he has the coolest um history because they're from the um republic of congo oh wow and they just have they have very cool history that you know Uncle Eric tells them about tells them yeah. about it's very cool. I think Patty's definitely right there. Having that connection still with that family is going to make him a happy, yeah. healthier person as he gets older. So how do you feel with Caroline, who doesn't have any connection and now has anxiety issues? I don't know. Caroline still seems like a spitball. She <laughs> is. Otherwise, she is. It, she she does break my heart though because mm. she'll say, "You know, I want to see my mom." Oh. Like Zenny gets to see his mom, and I just I've got nothing. Did her mom just sort of walk away? Yeah, mom walked away. So, yeah, there's just no information. So That's so sad. I know. I Yeah. I wonder what the anxiety, what that plays into it, too. Because, I mean, I know when I get my anxiety stuff happening, I, like, spiral into the spiderly web of what all could happen. And I couldn't imagine, like, yeah. having it diagnosed and then going into, like, well, where is she? What's happening? It's safe. Da, 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 and, like, going into mm. My kids have been very, it sounds like Carolyn's going to be the same. She's like, I'm adopted. Like My kids from day one have been like, we're in foster care. And this is when my life began. Well, the so, girls can't hide it. It's like obvious. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it's about promoting that healthy attitude. Of yeah. It. Oh, Carolyn's totally like Zen was, <laughs> Zen was playing Minecraft with his friend and I was in the room and Zen goes, I want to see my mom. And the um, friend goes, he goes, wait a minute (laughs) and caroline goes he got adopted (laughs) and like she's and then she's like i did too (laughs) you know like she doesn't doesn't bother her i think that's the healthiest thing you know yeah i hope it lasts but i still have people at like i had someone at a baseball game asked me are you gonna tell them and i was like (laughs) people seriously still ask that like first of all He's black. Second yeah. of all, like, I mean, people in our community besides me realized that I wasn't pregnant and then I had a, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, no yeah. one's going to mention it to him. Like, oh, well, I think that's a great trick you should teach him when he gets a little bit older. If somebody says that, he'd be like, mom, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thanks, Nikki, for being vulnerable and sharing your heart yeah. with us. That was yeah. awesome. And thanks for being, really I'm going to tell, thanks for being a support to me all these Aww. years. Me too. Thanks for being a support to me. The Mother Effin Podcast is hosted and produced by Patty Crouch and Heather Dragulescu. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
And don't forget to visit us online at mothereffinpodcast.com. 